Welcome to the Jesus Never Ran podcast, where we hear stories of people who are making time in their life to make a difference in this world. I'm your host and eternal optimist, Matt Kinsera. Let's take a walk. This week, we hear from Around the Farm Tables, Inga Witcher. Inga, do you want to play with me? I'll make you a martini. (laughs) Before we jump into this week's podcast, I want to remind you that taking care of ourselves is key to taking care of this world. However, it is unbelievably difficult to find the time to get to a yoga studio or to a gym, and no one likes being surrounded by a bunch of strangers while working out. You could work out at home, but it's nearly impossible to stay motivated. And let's be honest, searching for good options on YouTube is enough to make you want to give up before you start. I've got good news. TDH Virtual Experience has got you covered. Experience a class setting virtually on your terms. Enjoy yoga, boogie fit, dance, fitness, and even ballet and tap dance classes simply by logging into your account. You'll have the opportunity to ask questions and receive personal answers. You will be part of a fun and supportive community without leaving your home. This is the best of both worlds, and the best part, it's for everyone, anywhere, anytime, and it starts at just $25 a month. Want to check it out? Go to thedancinghouse.com and start your two-week free trial today. No credit card is required, and new classes are added every week. That's thedancinghouse.com, proud supporters of Jesus Never Ran, and of dreamers everywhere. Now, I'm a huge public television fan, huge public radio fan. So getting to interview Around the Farm Tables, Inga Witcher from public television was a huge honor, and I was so excited about it. So I'm going to stay out of the way in this podcast a little bit because Inga's got so many great things to say. So let's just hear about who Inga Witcher is. My name is Inga Witcher, and I grew up on uh, my family's dairy farm in Washington State. I'm a fourth-generation dairy farmer, now living in Osseo, Wisconsin, on my small 30-acre micro-dairy. I also host and co-produce a series for PBS called Around the Farm Table. Around the Farm Table celebrates Midwestern farmers, local food, and just connecting the consumer back to where the food is grown from and teaching them also how food is grown, what's happening on those farms on a daily basis. I milk uh, around 10 Jersey cows. We're in the process of building a small creamery on the farm so we can make a farmstead cheese. And a farmstead cheese is cheese that's not only the animals are milked there on the farm, but it's also made there on the farm. So you can really have a deeper connection with that cheese. You're, you're controlling everything those animals eat. You're controlling the environment that cheese is made in. And so it's a really special thing. And it's something that I've been wanting to do for quite a few years. Now, um, maybe this makes me a bad person or just misinformed, but I've never, th- I've never thought about having a deeper connection with my cheese. Uh, I love it. All right. So I grew up around farms. I grew up in small town, rural America. And I always remember thinking, wow, those farmers work really hard. And so I really wanted to hear from Inga, like what would drive somebody to think that that is a good idea to become a farmer? Well, growing up on a farm was always just, it was just so fun. It was just, we were homeschooled as well. My grandfather came every day to the farm. My uncle came, my grandma was right up the road. And so for us, I had two older brothers and we just got to run around every day in the mornings. We get our chores done, feeding calves, helping my grandpa, whatever. And I was the youngest. So I kind of got away with a lot more of just being, just running around and being a kid than my brothers did. But you know, we'd, we, our job was to bring the cows in, but we all did that and it was all happy. It wasn't sort of, our family was just kind of 
all inclusive and they, and we made it fun because also it was our school too. So when we would have a cow butchered, my mom is a nurse as her trade. She would take us and dissect uh, the cow's eyes with us so we could learn all about that. We got to open up the stomachs and see how the stomachs worked in a cow, which has four different stomachs. So we really got to learn hands-on. So it wasn't just like, you know, we got dropped off after school every day and then had to change our barn clothes and had to go out and do something. It was exciting. We One thing that I learned so much growing up was intensive grazing, which I do here on my farm. Intensive grazing is where you put a strip of pasture out for your cows or your horses or pig or any animal and you leave them there for a certain amount of time so we do it for 12 hours then we take those animals off that grass onto another strip of grass so that grass can regrow so as I was growing up I was out there with my dad helping put the fence posts out helping shift the cows always looking to see the grasses so I was learning about soil fertility soil health also um, we lived near a river so we always had to be careful not to contaminate any water so I was always learning in a different environment. So it, it, you know, and I was fortunate, it was almost like a monastery or something that it was just, we got to learn with whatever we were doing. And I grew up wanting to be a hairdresser. That's all I wanted to be. My grandma was a hairdresser and she cut hair in her kitchen. And I just thought that is the bee's knees. I just want to cut hair. So after I graduated high school, uh, two weeks later, I started cosmetology school and uh, I flunked out after the first semester because <laughs> I couldn't do a finger wave. And so I'm like, well, this is my whole career. This is the only thing I wanted to do in my life. You know, I, I would take my friends. I'd pretend like, you know, since I had my one semester of beauty school under my belt that I drew, failed out of, I'm like, I can color your hair. It's fine. I'll do your eyebrows. Um, and my parents, they were going to be traveling to Europe uh, my, when I was 18. And so they sent me to go live with my brother in Wisconsin for a little while for the summer. So my two brothers were up here in Wisconsin and, uh, I got to milk cows with them and it was fun. I mean, it was, you know, we were just three kids. My oldest brother must, well, he was old enough to buy beer. So I know he, <laughs> and we just had the best time and just, uh, we all milked for, uh, my brother's boss. It was, I think like 300 cows or something. And we just all did it together and it was fun. And people would stop by in the night, you know, all of us, their friends and visit while we're milking cows. And it was just really fun. So first of all, I don't think I've ever met anybody who was passionate about something that was so different than what they ended up becoming passionate about. So going from a hairdresser to a farmer, that is about as far apart as you can possibly be. So all that to say, you might be somewhere today and you might be completely in a different space tomorrow. You just never know. And the other thing, and maybe some people would disagree with me on this, but I really think you should enjoy whatever you're passionate about. Farming is hard work, and Inga just loves it. And I think that should be the way it is for all of us. We're all going to find passions that are going to take a lot of work, but on some level, we should have fun doing it. All right, back to our story. How does one actually become a farmer? Even if you'd want to be a farmer, how do you get there? I was kind of kicking my feet around at the time. I didn't really know what I wanted to do uh, since that whole beauty school thing didn't turn out. And my dad said, well, why don't you come up for, you know, a, a month, come up for a month, try to get a loan for dairy farming. And I said, well, I really want to grow vegetables. And he says, well, the cows can kind of help out with an income. And I think it'll be really fun. You'll really like it. So I drove up to Wisconsin in my little old, I was 24. I don't know what I was thinking. I can't believe that I was that young. I was thinking, I'll just start a farm. And <laughs> so I drove up here and barely made it up here. I went down to 
this uh, government agency called the Farm Service Agency, and they give loans to beginning farmers uh, and existing farmers. And at the time, they weren't really giving loans because of the economy or whatever. But they called me and said, hey, congratulations, your loan's been approved because you're a woman and we consider you to be socially disadvantaged. And I was just like, well, that works for me, I guess. But I was like, what are you doing? And I, I you know, you're giving me this money to sort of farm. Like, I thought I was going to be here for a month and headed back doing something else. Then we, I bought cows. And luckily, I was here with my parents and my dad. I, well, I basically made him help me every day because I thought... I mean, I grew up farming. I've always been around farming. and I don't know how to manage a dairy farm. I don't know. And also, I was doing it organically. So there was not, at the time, there wasn't a ton of resources available for me to learn how to, uh, how do I treat a cow for a, a, you know, whatever problem she was having? Or what do I do if she has this problem? I can't go up to the local vet and ask them because they have no idea. They've been doing everything conventional for years and years. So it was a wonderful learning experience to learn the whole holistic approach to not only animals, but also I was learning that approach to myself too. And instead of treating the system, treat the whole body, right? So it's all about getting a healthy immune system, getting it going. So, and uh, that was 13 years ago, I started milking cows and uh, we're still at it today. of you not familiar with Inga's show Around the Farm Table, first of all, make sure you check it out. It's on public television. You can watch it nationwide. But it's an amazing show about people doing great things, kind of like Jesus Never Ran, but it really focuses around agriculture, farming, cooking, and the like. So let's hear a little bit about how that came to be. Well, you know, one thing that my parents have always taught me uh, is you can do anything. The sky's the limit. It doesn't matter. And it's go out and just try to get it done. And if it doesn't work, just try it a different way and just go do it. And also with uh, that whole educational aspect of my, you know, the last uh, 30 years of my life growing up and, and just absorbing all those different um, folks that we learned along the way and how important it was to educate folks about uh, food in general. My dad and I had always had that in the back of our head. Education was always something that we thought about quite often. And um, we also watched a series, a BBC series called The Two Fat Ladies, which is probably the best cooking show I've ever seen in my life. And it was these two ladies who are chefs and they were driving around England, picking up different ingredients from a local producer and cooking that for a group of folks. And so one day we were in the barn and my dad was helping me milk cows and he just got to thinking about it. He says, you know, there's all these shows about food that are the the ingredients and how they're done but they're all told from a chef's perspective but they should be told from the farmer's perspective right because that's who knows about what's going on and he said um i think we should do a television show and do something like in a pps format and uh we'll travel around wisconsin we'll we'll meet these folks that are doing these amazing things and you could be the host, and then you can cook at the end of it. And I was just like, well, why not? I mean, I'm really, I'm, I'm free on Tuesday. Let's go do it. Uh, and so we jumped in the car. We went, <laughs> we went knocking on people's doors, and we started with doing short 10-minute films. And we found this kid, I think he was 19 or 20 at the time. And he came along with us, and we just... My dad's a great. He's a he's an artist. Uh, he visually knows what's going on. He's got these story ideas in his head. Um, he's very much the artist behind this. 
And so he, we would get, pull these stories out of the farms. And, and there were different stories because uh, we got to sit down and have a cup of coffee with them at the table. And instead of being a producer from a non-farming background, you know, it was just me and my dad. And we talked about the fact that, oh gosh, you know, it snowed two weeks ago and we were trying to get out to plant or, you know, the hay price went up or, hey, I found this really cool tool to use on the farm with fencing or whatever. And so it kind of broke down these barriers with these folks that I think we could get a different interview than they, that other people could because they knew we were part of who they were. We, we saw each other at the same conferences. You know, we, we, they, were, they are part of our community. So we started with these shorts and we sent them into Wisconsin Public Television, our local station, and they watched them and they said, what's your guys' background? And we're like, we're dairy farmers. And they shook their heads and they said, well, if you can do a whole 26 minute pilot, we'll consider picking you up for eight episodes. So we did the pilot and um, now it's one of the most popular shows on Wisconsin Public Television and uh, we're nationwide. So uh, it's exciting to be able to bring these stories of these folks who are, it's just, uh, you know, if I think too much about it, it just makes me want to cry just how dedicated they are to what they do and to the health of the land. Inga's father was with us for the whole interview, and they make an incredible team. It was wonderful to be with both of them, even though we only get to hear Inga's voice on this podcast because dad is a little bit more behind the scenes. Shifting gears a little bit, no great story comes without great adversity and Inga is definitely no exception so I want you to hear from her some of the challenges that she went through especially recently. We were renovating our old barn that must have been built in the oh I don't know in the late 40s something like that maybe the 30s and it was a big old barn and uh, we were turning in one of this old this old pen that used to be a chicken coop then went to be a hog pen that went to be a uh a calf pen into our creamery so we're building inside of it and building uh, a whole system inside because right now to make sense financially on a farm you really have to kind of think about how you're going to market that product and for us it's cheese so that's the way we can save the farm and I hadn't made an income off the farm for two years up until that point I thought I was going to be able to ship milk when I downsized my herd uh, at the same time I downsized my herd from 40 cows to 10 cows Creameries all around Wisconsin were cutting off uh, farms. They were saying, we're not going to pick you up anymore. Go find something to do with your milk. So I was stuck with these 10 cows for two years and nowhere to sell the milk to. So we were literally just pouring the milk out in the field. Uh, and it was just really a hard feeling to do twice a day. You know, you're getting up, you're having to pay f- to feed these cows. You're out there milking them. I mean, I, I love my cows, so I didn't mind so much, but it's just like emotionally hard on you. But I kept thinking, the creamery is going to be done. We're going to be making our first batch of cheese in uh, late November. And we'll do a nice fall cheese. And then when we dry the cows up, we'll stop making cheese. But at least we'll have something to sell in the spring. For us, we're doing raw milk. So we have to wait for 60 days to sell any cheese. And uh, and you don't don't make a lot of money doing (laughs) PBS shows, (laughs) just so you know. Uh, So I was, you know, financially, I was already uh, really stressed out. And then um, one morning we woke up in November, my neighbor was uh, banging on the door, beeping the horn. By the time I got downstairs, the whole barn was in flames. He had just driven past the farm, uh, checked on his cows, drove right past. In the span of 10 minutes, it went from the barn being fine to the barn completely uh, encapsulated in flames. 
And I tell you what, that's not something you forget, like, waking up to. And, um, sorry. So it was just, it was a lot. Had these beautiful calves in the barn, so lost them too. So, well, geez, you know, it was just, and they were all named after my favorite people too, so it was even harder. But, uh, so lost everything. It turned out uh, we were two, two or three days away from putting all of our equipment in the creamery and being finished and being able to take that milk and put in a cheese. There's nothing you can do. I mean, it's just, you know, it's all open air space and wood. So it was gone immediately. Um, and so uh, we lost that. And then uh, that was in November. And in January, we had these horrible, horrible snowfalls. I mean, just 12 inches, 15 inches. And it was like, what are you kidding me? And our hay shed where we kept all of our hay, that completely collapsed. So we lost that whole building. And I was thinking, well, we can always rebuild inside of this building or this other building. And then we have this other space, another um, uh, tin shed that we used for housing the cows over the wintertime. That came down. The whole roof came down. I don't know how the cows got out, but they got out. I think they must have heard the noise a little bit and they got the heck out of there, which, I mean, they must just be thinking, what is going on here, Inga? <laughs> like, this is the craziest. Why are we always collapsing over the buildings around us? So now we basically, if you drive over through here, it looks like a tornado went through. I mean, that's just the only way I can explain it. And so we lost an income again and then um, for another year. And your spirits, it's hard to keep excited about those things when you're thinking, oh, well, like, you know, last month it's uh, cold, so cold. And I'm out there trying to get the cows water. And I've just taken buckets and buckets at a time. And I'm just thinking it's 50 below wind temperature. What is going on? And people would say, just sell the cows. You know, I talked to my brother or some other folks and they say, just sell the cows. It's fine. And I was like, no, like, I'm not just going to sell them. Financially, it doesn't make any sense for me to sell them. And emotionally, it doesn't make any sense for me to sell them. And I'm just going to have to get through. And, um, and I just had to tell myself that every day because I didn't, I mean, if I was going to let myself really think, I didn't think I was going to get through. I mean, I really didn't think so. And I was just like, well, um, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't have a choice. And, and I, then I'd go through my mind and say, well, that's okay. I'll go do something else. And I'm like, what the heck am I going to go do? This is who I am, you know? So then I said, okay, well, if we can't, and you know, can't do that, then I'll maybe put some sort of a, um, vegetables here and I'll make pizza for people or do something like that right so many things so much to deal with and there's a lot that we can gain perspective on from Inga's story and the first thing that I think of is you know after all of this happened and there's this realization that all of these buildings came down she lost her calves like what do I do now I think the first thing that Inga grabbed onto that's really important for all of us to hear is she is so passionate about what she does and so convinced that this is her calling in life that she had really no other options there was you know she thought for just a second well what else can I do but this is just who I am and when we understand that this is who we are then we know that this is how we have to live life and what we have to do and so for Inga, it wasn't really an option to try something else. And so if it's not an option to try something else because this is just who you are and, and what you stand for, then the next question is, okay, this happened. Now what am I going to do? 
to make sure that I can keep moving forward. Sometimes as people who are passionate and people who are entrepreneurs and people who are go-getters and people who want to make a difference in this world, sometimes we have to get really good at being creative. Sometimes plan A doesn't work and sometimes plan B, C, and D doesn't work. And so we have to be ready for that and we have to be prepared to be creative and come up with ways that we can keep moving forward. If, if we have something in our heart and we have a way that we can make a difference in this world, in some ways it's our responsibility to keep going even when the barn burns down. Now let's hear a little bit more perspective on just that, on making it through and moving forward. I just kept telling myself, like, people have it so much worse than I did. When my barn burned down, Paradise, California burned down. So who am I to sit here and complain about my lot in life? Or there was another 60 dairies in Wisconsin in this last year alone that lost their whole herds from barn fires. So for me, I was kind of in this place where I was thinking, well, I can't feel sorry for myself, you know, because so many people have had so much this happen. But at the same time, I was just like, it's hard to put a smile on every day. You know, it really is. Especially when you're milking by hand and you're thinking, when is this barn? Gonna, I'm going to be milking all these cows by hand. And it's, <laughs> I'm going to get arthritis. <laughs> um, but when is it going to be done? You know, and it wasn't actually until this morning, about a few hours ago, that I finally got my plans sent to me. And they said, hey, can you come in and we can finalize these plans? And that was just like, oh, finally, I can kind of visualize it in my head. You know, it's, it's just... Uh, you hold on, you hold on, you hold on, and then you it's worth holding on for, you know? And it's like when you have those little milestones, like a, some, something as simple as getting your plans in the mail, uh, it's just like, okay, you're right, it's going to work, it's going to work. And my family's so supportive. I mean, they've, they've always said, hey, it's going to work. It's all going to work out. Don't worry about it. And sometimes I get frustrated because I say, well, you can't just say that because how do you know? Because I have to now figure out how it's going to work out. And uh, that's one thing my husband always t tell me over the winter. He says, well, it's all going to work out. It always does. I said, yeah, but it's all on me to figure out how it's going to get worked out. And I just get so frustrated. But then you just have to remember, it's like, write it down on a piece of paper, put one thing here one thing here and just do that one thing first and if that's you know put your shoes on okay um, cross that off the list okay put your jacket on cross that off the list you know make this one phone call cross that off the list do this one email that really helped me uh, put it back and we had our early spring this year this is the first year this is the earliest i've been grazing my cows out usually i'm not out there until mid-may and that I was just like so grateful, so grateful that there was enough grass out there I could put my cows out. Because also I didn't have any hay left. I didn't have any money for hay. Uh, I didn't have any, anything else to do. I was thinking, well, I'm going to be taking these guys like they did in the Depression era out here. They would take their cows and just walk them up the the fence, or, you know, up the side of the street. And I said, they're all halter broke. I'll just put them in a line and just start mowing people's lawns, you know. <laughs> Put, put free lawn mowing service on the side and keep them out there for a day. <laughs> so good to be able to have a little bit of humor, even in the midst of challenging situations. I just think that perspective is the right perspective. When hard things happen, it's just one foot after another, one thing at a time. I've talked to people who have gone through great loss in their lives. And I remember one person telling me, you know, after this happened, I had to wake up and the first thing I had to remember to do was just to breathe. And then I had to remember to put my feet on the floor. And then I had to stand up and it was just this methodical one 
thing after another process. When hard things happen, especially when you're pursuing your passions, when you have a setback, and boy, did Inga have a huge setback, but when you have that setback, you just have to be convinced that you're still going to go forward. And when you are convinced that you're going to continue to move forward, you have to remember to do it methodically, one foot after another, knowing that every step that you take is one step towards being past this situation, one step towards getting back on top, one step closer to getting back to that dream. Inga is just such a great spokesperson and a great uh, example of what a local farmer is and what a local farmer stands for. So I wanted to hear from her some perspective on how can we as community members support local farmers and also I suppose why we as community members should support local farmers. I think the first thing you can do is when you go to the farmers market instead of just picking up that uh, donut and the cup of coffee and going there to socialize and go through go there to really shop. Go there with your list and say, I really want to dedicate this portion um, of you know my food dollars towards these people. Get to know your farmers. They'll, they're going to sit there and they're going to talk to you. If you know more about your food, you're going to have a better eating experience. You're going to have better food. It's going to taste better. When you're eating seasonally, it just tastes better. You don't need to be a chef to be a great cook. You just need great ingredients. For me, when I the folks that I choose to buy food from, the food that I don't grow here on my uh, land, I find the, I seek out those people that I really believe in uh, their belief system with their farm. And uh, I, w- there's two ladies, there's a mother and a daughter, and they farm uh, about an hour away from here. And the daughter, I think, is the fifth or sixth generation on that farm, and they graze beef, and they do a few different vegetables, and they're just so amazing. And what Helen told me once, and she said, um, I'm from this earth. My bones are formed from the soil that is on this earth, because my mother ate the food from the soil on this piece of ground. So I am this ground, and that's why I want to take care of that piece of ground because it's now it's my grandkids. It's part of their bone structure, this, this soil, this land. And I thought, oh, Helen, the, I want to support you. Like those are the people I want to support that, that care, that care for that next generation. And I don't know what's going to happen with um, agriculture. I hope that we can get back to that point where we're not saying local food anymore. We're just saying this is all food because it's all coming from local places. I would love to see places like these dairy states, these wonderful dairy states like Wisconsin, we're losing so many dairy farmers every day. The suicide rate for dairy farmers is higher than any other suicide rate right now. It's just, it's terrible. I'd love to see these small creameries dotted all around the countryside. And it's we're t- it's totally possible that we can do that. I'd like to see that European model again, where it's, you want to go to the, to the market to get something fresh that, that's day, that day, or there's a farmer's market every day somewhere, so you can pick up a few things every day and eat fresh. Uh, get your kids out in the garden and gardening in um, in a plot or in your backyard or in a little window box. You know, get them. Food is such an important thing. It's what nourishes us. It's what helps us grow and it helps keep us healthy. So we really need to start paying more attention to how do we how do we make ourselves healthier with this. I don't. It's it's so hard to say why I think we should support local farmers because I am one and I think really we should support them because. We really care, like we really care what we're doing and how that affects 
everybody else around us. We care about issues like climate change, um, losing our bees, pesticide drift, all these things. This is our daily conversation that we have with each other. And we're trying to find ways to do things healthier, right? So that we can put healthier food out there and have a healthier land. So support your farmers because they're thinking about you more than you're thinking about them. Never have I heard that described so well and so passionately. And of course, it would be amazing and passionate coming from Inga, who knows it better than anybody. I always ask the people I interview the same question to end with. For that person who's got this idea, got this thought, this dream, this passion, but they're, they're just not quite ready to take that leap, what would your advice be for them? I, you, you just, you find the people. You find the people that you can connect with and you ask them every question you need to ask them. So whether you want to start a farm, you find 10 people that are farming and you ask them, what do, what would you do? What would you do? What would you do? If you want to um, start a band, you find those musicians and you go out there with them and you figure out, uh, you learn from other people. That's the best way that I can put it. And you just, you got nothing to lose. I mean, really, in life, you really got nothing to lose. I mean, go into debt. Hey, what the heck? Well, it's only money, you know? I mean, that's what I keep telling myself. And um, it's all going to work out. And just enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. For Inga Witcher, walking like Jesus means being passionate about the land, being passionate about animals, and being passionate about people. Sometimes walking with Jesus means you give it all up and you buy the farm. To find out more about Inga Witcher and Around the Farm Table, go to their website at aroundthefarmtable.com. There you can find all sorts of information, including how to watch the show and where to watch the show. As always, if you need a little help getting from where you are to where you want to be, Join the Walking Club at www.jesusneverran.com. The Walking Club is a monthly video series that will help those dreams in your heart become a reality. Next time, we check out another story about Jesus who spent all kinds of time making a huge difference in this world. Join us next week.